I'm Chris Lockhart. Welcome to the podcast. Um, I'm joined today by Bill Bensing, Phil Yanoff, and Shashi Shramali. And um, interesting topic, you know, something I know that's been around for a while. I haven't seen it too much in the news lately, but I'm experiencing it at a, at a client. This is the subject of shadow IT and whether, you know, is it a benefit or is it a hindrance? And I think, you know, we've got some interesting uh, perspective on this. You know, Bill, you probably you probably love shadow IT. Can you give us a quick definition? What is it? Absolutely. It's IT organizations that aren't IT organizations. So, for example, let's say you're in a company like uh, an aerospace company and you want to build a software product, but you don't belong to IT. And you start building a software product that's not, not necessarily for the... Um, not for the actual aircraft itself, say it's a procurement system, and you want to build a small procurement system, but you're not part of IT. Well, the group of people who build that could be considered shadow IT. So it could be a procurement analyst or somebody who has technical skills and the capability to do this. They build it and they launch it, and the organization uses it. Um, I mean, so that sounds like a good thing. Why is that a problem? I don't think it's a problem. It is. I know you don't, Shashi. Why is it a problem? <laughs> I mean, I, I see the positive sides and the negative sides of it. And I know it sounds cliche. So shadow IT is basically any piece of software or any piece of technology that is being built uh, and not being monitored, governed, developed, or audited by central IT organization of any large corporation. That's what shadow IT is. Now, Whenever any company starts, they never have a central IT organization. So they start off with shadow IT by definition. Well, business needs some software applications. They either go buy and build on their own. So that's how they grow. But when the organization grows beyond a certain point, then they start centralizing their IT. Then this notion of uh, shadow IT comes into play. So I see the positive side of it. Positive side being more control. It drives innovation, right? It, uh, you know, faster time to market if something needs to be built, drives productivity. But secondly, in larger organizations like bank or healthcare companies, where you need every piece of data to be audited, SOX compliance and any other kind of HIPAA compliance or any other compliance, then if there is a shadow IT and IT does not have control over that or visibility to it, then you are exposing your organization to larger uh, issues which can cost you multi-million dollars. So that's the all positive right. and the negative side of it. So, all right. So Bill loves it. Shashi, you're splitting the difference. You're going to hedge your bet. You like it and you dislike it. Phil, you probably deal with cats all the time, right? That are like. <laughs> yeah, well, let me just, I want to call BS on just the beginning of this thing that Shashi's talking about. I understand that there's a problem maybe at this moment, right? You go into a sophisticated organization with real IT and you got somebody off there doing a thing on the side. That's a problem. But in the beginning, it's the only. IT. So it's not shadow IT in the beginning. In the beginning, it's just how we do things because, you know, we're in, you know, in the maturity model, right? We're at the very beginning. We don't have a mature. We're just trying to get stuff done. When you have a startup and Bill, you are a master of that. So you have a startup. They want to procure some side of a software. They build some Excel macros to get some stuff done, right? So they build it, they buy it, whatever they do. But over a period of time, when it starts becoming three, four, five million, 10 million, 20, 50, $100 million company, then they see that IT costs is increasing, right? And when they become billion dollar company, their IT cost increases significantly. Then they say that I want to build a shared services organization to have a better control and reduce my cost. So they build this shared IT model, right? And then this shared IT model becomes so bureaucratic that at some point in time, it becomes hindrance to business. You can't deploy your application fast enough. Then the same business says that, 
IT is not fast. I'm going to build something of my own. They go back to the shadow IT mode. So it's like an all deja vu moment yeah. um, in a 10 year cycle. You right. keep using two words though that are very, 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 uh, one word specifically, centralized. And me, I look at decentralized. Is shadow IT really a management issue of centralization versus decentralized management of technology as opposed to a true issue? Um, look at somebody like Google, look at somebody like Netflix. You go in, um, it, it's fun, it's awesome reading the SRE books by Google that they put out. Basically, you can create any product. Now, they do have some things to, to expose the product to the public. You got to go through some either automated and or manual reviews, but you build it, you, say, you sustain it, and you maintain it, and that's the way majority of their products operate. But Bill, you, you have to differentiate between two different types of companies. The example you took was the technology companies who they are in the business of technologies. Then there are other side of companies like automobile and healthcare where IT is not their primary business. So there are two different flavors to it. Well, no, so, I think that's right. So can I ask, yeah, and I, I want Chris to answer the question, I think. Yeah. So where is this really an issue, right? Because we're not talking about you come as a consultant to some small organization and they're just trying to get a problem done. We're talking about like when Shashi means there's a certain level of sophistication and you're basically, you know, uh, you're a skunk works project doing something because the main level IT. Is, is that right? And how can I tell if, where it's a problem and not? There, there's a couple of different flavors to this, right? There's, there's, there's uh, technology type people doing technology related things outside of central control, right? And then, so that's, that's one problem. And I, and I think almost that might be a bigger problem, right? There's the other piece of it though, which is, you know, we've talked about it, the business person, right? That just wants to get shit done, right? right. And get shit done, I'm gonna go into Excel and do something, or I'm going to write it on a piece of paper which happens, right? Or whatever. And so when you look at that, I mean, that's, it's not really their fault in a way, right? It, it could be seen as a failure of the, uh, the main sort of legacy type IT organization to respond to that business person's need, right? To do X in a faster fashion. I think the problem I have with all of this though, is that whether you're small or large, you've got parallel duplicative tracks of work happening a lot of it in a manual fashion you have sort of the official this is the way we do things and then you have billy bob out in the closet right doing his own thing and now you have now you've got disparate data you end up with a data problem mm. right and so you you i mean what do you do right forget the tool for a second forget it you know in the closet you know kind of stuff right in the dark room this is like this becomes a data problem because now i have disparate sources both claiming to be authoritative with different methodologies, different approaches, different controls, who am I to believe, right? To me, I, that's the problem I see. And so, you know, am I, am I pro shadow IT or not? I, so, I, 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 you know, yeah, anyway. So that back to your bit of then. So isn't it, it's just parallel processing until it causes a problem. And the question is, which of those problems are things that we should be able to get a hold of, get ahead of, right? So it's not that if two people got something done, if two different teams accomplished some different goals and didn't cause any trouble by getting there, then no one cares about shadow IT. It's just parallel processing. And yeah, maybe not everybody believes the same things, but we're just getting work done. What 
what is the problem that's created? And I think you said it there. I just wanted to parse it out so it sure. was a little more clear. What's the problem that gets created? Because it doesn't matter that I look at something and see it one way and you see it another. That doesn't matter. Now, it is a problem if there's not a single version of the truth for mm -hmm. somebody who needs that, like in a invoice processing system or something yeah. like that, right? Yeah, exactly. So I'll give you like I'll give you a real uh, a live example, right, of actual problem right now that I'm dealing with, and it it is a very large client, um, you know, financial services, and you have uh, sort of silos of the business that have evolved over time, and they each kind of do their own work their own way. And actually, this you know, not to bring this up that it, it's not really a technology problem, right? <laughs> Oh, let me get my book. I think there's a book for that. Say <laughs> um, it's a people problem. It might be a people problem. Uh, no, but it, so so a very simple thing. I need to calculate the cost of the teams that I have doing work. That's it. I need to calculate that cost. They all do it differently, and they're all doing it in a different fashion, in a different tool, using different data. So now, if I am trying okay. to look. So let me ask you, I, I'm yeah. completely with you. I understand. Yeah. But what if that problem was created, you know, in your case, it sounds like because there were two different groups, they decided to do something different and it grew up organically. But I mean, that's a problem. If I'd have had a merger or an acquisition, yeah. I bring mm -hmm. in another yeah. group. I've got international teams. These guys calculate it one way. These guys calculate another. They're both valid for the way in which they grew up. But here I am. Now, what do I do? It, yeah. So, so I don't want to, I don't want to cast it as like a nefarious, like, oh, you're, Doing the, you're doing something you're not supposed to be doing, right? Mm -hmm. It's like that was what they were doing. I think the the challenge, and I think I look at it as more of a challenge than than a, a bad practice, right? The challenge is, right? How do I accommodate those two ways of looking at things because they're equally valid? And how do I do apples to apples type comparison when I don't have when I have apples here and oranges here, right? So that's that's the challenge that's behind it. So. I don't think it's a problem necessarily. I think it's a an opportunity. So 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 what? Yeah. So that's that's like a consultant speak. Yeah, you like that? <laughs> it sounds but, like but there's the good thing, money to be made solving this problem. Yeah. So we have to. So so the fact is, I mean, this was like a concluding statement. So the issues which I see um, being caused or challenges being caused by um, shadow IT is number one, um, you know, duplicate business processes or uh, fragmented processes which are sitting on somebody's desktop and part of it is sitting sitting in somebody's um, you know corporate systems second problem is data issues as uh, Chris pointed out third which I want to bring up is uh, in my recent client we were looking at IT spend in the merger and acquisition scenario IT spend of the company which is being acquired and when we found that out it came to be like one or 1.5 percent of the total revenue and we were kind of shocked so we ended up concluding that many of their, at least 0.5% of their IT spend is at least hidden within as a shadow IT within their individual lines of businesses. So that's another challenge which you have at some point in time when you are trying to, you know, go towards mergers or acquisition type of scenarios. So shadow IT causes a lot of headache, a lot of problems um, in those scenarios. Yeah, but in that scenario that that Phil brought up, it you know, in a in an M and A scenario, it's not shadow IT. It's just two different IT organizations, right? right? It's, so it's, I was just it's, asking, how do you tell? It's the not difference two between them. So, sorry, one thing. It's not two. It's basically you have one central organization, IT organization, and then you have like numerous shadow ITs which you don't even have count of. 
so that your degree of problem multiplies you know 10 20 n folds which you don't even know right but those those aren't it people right they're not it people, people. they're a piece of software but the piece of software licenses and other cost which is being spent but there is an effort which was put in in order to create that piece of software maintain that piece of software licenses of those software so there is an effort side of it and there is a license side of it both costs are hidden within that line of business and not being accounted properly as an it cost i think you guys are missing the big problem it has nothing to do with it or technology yeah what is it it's a lack of a decision problem it's a business architecture problem it's a people problem so chris what you're talking about is we're talking about is like you have apples to oranges so if you're calculating the same outcome but one looks like apples one looks like oranges fundamentally you have two different contexts so who in the organization is saying this is our use case for this um this criteria and this is how the organization is going to look at it because you have two people you have department a and department b who are doing both things well but there's somebody above them that's got to say hey here's what it means to the company as a whole so take shadow it take the guys take the 1.5 who are spinning their wheels behind it it sounds to me like the lack of a decision maker or the lack of a chief architect ceo type decision yeah. maker when i say chief architect i'm not thinking of the technology architect i think about the highest level of abstraction in a company somebody's not making a decision or they're deferring the wrong decision which is driving your 1.5% revenue loss So, so so you're saying you're it's a it's a, a failure of leadership failure of management yeah absolutely i think it's a management failure being in that position before if i've got two organizations under me or frankly from a leadership team if i got two disparate organizations that are measuring the same thing differently and ultimately the ceo is the number one manager like somebody's got to shit or get off the pot like what is it and let's go now if there's a contextual difference for that organization that they have to extend that metric for their own use Well that's the whole idea behind you know extending different domains and that's completely within a standard architecture as you want to talk about that. So then it gets to a different conversation where that one person extending it could have a valid reason to have a shadow IT organization. But so to me part of failure of management and failure to recognize failure of management. So you alluded so it boils down to two things. One is an improper definition of the business operating model. business or it operating model second is ongoing governance of uh, whatever is in the ongoing corporate and it governance is basically causing this that's what i hear from what you said bill i l- lack of business um i'm trying to think of a good term because you can't have good corporate it governance without having good context of what you're governing and of course your business processes your business architecture your use case and i think of some other you know words that are more business friendly instead of the more tech words that's what governs your it process that's what you build your it governance around so it is not the problem which it has created uh, the problem was created by business and the leadership i agree with you the governance but it ends up dealing with it uh, dealing with the implications of it it's more on the receiving side not on the creation don't they get blamed for it i mean ultimately they don't i don't think it gets blamed so you so you are right like why did why did uh, a business unit had to go in the shadow it mode because they did not get the services they were expecting from the shared it organization probably that's why they went ahead and built it so, so god you're hitting on something that i love to death called the pace layered architecture like it is yes. a it's a gartner it's curious like he's always <laughs> Is this Gartner space here? I'll write this down. FML on this one because let's go back to management. Like this gets down wait, to wait, 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 wait. What? What did you call it? 
I said FML. I didn't want to use that. No, I know that. I know what that is. No, no. (laughs) Hey, Slayer, is that what you said? Hey, Slayer architecture. Is is that Gartner's Gartner's model? It is Gartner's model. Yeah, got it. That's that's what we need. We need another model. That's what we need. I'm trying to stay away from using the big G word. Like, I wouldn't use the F word, and I don't really want to use the big G word, right? (laughs) But... But the, I mean, the, so like the pacer, the Shashi, which you're talking about, being part of Shadow IT. So being in Shadow IT in a large organization and driving an IT organization that tried to adopt Shadow IT. Like, so I've been in both ends of the spectrum, right? Trying to tell people that they suck at what they do and then being told I, I'm suck at what I what I'm suck at what I do, right? So I've been on both ends of that spectrum. But like, as you're talking about, I've come to realize this is the pace layered architecture. So just background, really quick, pace layered. A guy observed that the pace, you know, different layers of the earth move at different paces. The closer to the core of the earth, you move faster than if you're outside the earth, right? Well, inside of organizations, our organizations move at different paces and our technology reflects that. Some organizations move faster than others, therefore their technology is going to move faster. Think about accounting. Double entry bookkeeping was invented in the late 1400s. Double entry bookkeeping hasn't changed, therefore why should your accounting systems change very fast, right? So that's where you get your systems of innovation, systems of differentiation, and systems of record. Records move very slow, if at all. Differentiations move moderately faster. Innovation moves very quick. So as you talk about like with the shadow IT and management, and you think about your business architectures or the process or the values you're trying to derive with software, somebody's not managing that across the organization. Now, you don't need centralized management to do that. You just need an awareness and uh, admission of these different layers and an organizational cohesive approach to say, okay, we can do this independently. Um, whether it's with shadow IT, we adopt it, we put in automated policies, or we do education to make sure, hey, like this is HIPAA, this is what HIPAA means. If you're using this piece of data, this is how you can or cannot use it. Um, and then you decentralize from that fashion. So rant over there. I still got more to rant on, but I'm gonna stop that there because I don't wanna I don't wanna like take over the whole episode. Right. I, I got it, right? So that maybe that's a problem. Understood. But maybe. What, what, what is what does a practitioner do about that, right? Aside from like check themselves uh, to prevent them, you know, okay, don't write extra macros in Excel and, you know, bifurcate the process that exists yeah. today. Got it. They can manage that. But Wait a second. You might actually be called upon to do that, right? As a yeah. consultant, you might be the guy called in to develop <laughs> the system and uh, you're, you, and the guy looks at you and says, hey, man, this is under the radar. The IT department doesn't like this or they couldn't approve it, or, you know, those guys, I mean, let me just say, if they were being benevolent about it, they might even say, those IT guys are great, but they're overloaded, and they never get around to the stuff we want, so um, I need you to come in and do this. Now, Chris, now what do you do? Just do it. <laughs> Chris, oh, and by the way, it's worth this many zeros. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, so sh- shut the F up. And suck it up. <laughs> Do your job. I mean, so <laughs> but I mean, I mean, there is there, you know, in high end strategy consulting, right? Your job is to solve that problem, right? Recognize, look, we got to get shit done, absolutely, uh, but we have to do this in a way that um, you know aligns to what our, our business objectives are and all of the great things that Bill was talking about. If you are a like a technology consultant, right, working at I don't know, Infosys or Cognizant or wherever, right, Shashi, right? Someplace like that, where it's like, you have to come in to develop the the tech on the keyboard. You're right, it's kind of a difficult situation to be put in. I mean, you can, um, I mean, chances are you're on a team with, you know, a principal director partner. 
So maybe it's their problem, right? Or uh, you know, you're there as an individual contributor and you got to execute because otherwise what's going to happen? So you are now contributing to the problem that, that Shashi and Bill were, so as, were talking so, about. So as consultants, so they, if they hire us to solve a problem, we'll definitely solve a problem, but at the same time, help them understand the implication of the solution which we are developing. It's extremely important. And it's up to them to make their decision and based on their appetite for risk and, and any other will help them make the right call. Yeah, so I don't know that there's a I don't know that there's a good answer there, Phil, really. Well, and, and I think there's another question that, right? Cuz and I think this is the one that you guys are most likely to find. So you, Chris, Shashi, Bill, you guys are, you know, come in as a consultant to a big sophisticated organization. You got to develop a solution to a thing and you discover a shadow IT system that impacts what you are doing. Now, how do you gracefully fold that into or incorporate it in what you do? I mean, what do you do with the solution, with the people involved? How do you navigate this? This is a political problem, not a technical one. It's yeah. not a technical problem. And in fact, you know, so uh, my approach in the past and, and currently, right, is to uh, articulate a story around that problem. Why is it bad if it's bad? Why is it good or why is it happening? What can be done to fold that into what we're doing? What value could that unit that created that Excel macro, what value okay. could they get out of a common model, right? What does that look like to them? That Why should they want to do the right thing, right? And yeah. common approach. You, you I gotta tell that story. I still wanna answer this and I'm, I'm getting too antsy on this. Like, we, like I love the fact you said fold them in because to me, that just made my job easier. I go to them, shadow IT is somebody delivering real business value. And this is not to say true IT doesn't deliver it, but at the smallest level, they're delivering a very huge amount of value for an organization. Mm -hmm. What I love about them is at the end of the day, they're probably being subdued in some way that they can't scale that. And it's all politics and not technology. Mm -hmm. So they've solved the problem. All I got to do is go figure out how they solve the business problem they implemented, be the person that ties them together with the ability to scale that. And you've solved mm -hmm. your client's issue. And you really haven't had to do much work. I uh, well, and is, there's a, isn't there? I mean, there's a couple of good reasons that you, as the guy on the top, right, the guy who's the one who wants to bring these people together. And we've only touched on we touched on HIPAA compliance as one. The other one that strikes me, quite frankly, is uh, information security. You know, typically someone that comes off, they do a side project. Um, they weren't as sophisticated as you might be coming in with a team that says, not only do we have to get the job done, we have to make sure that all the data is safe from beginning to end, right? Yeah. So, well, let's, let's talk on that real quick. So first off, the assumption that people who program in IT understand anything about information security is an invalid assumption. I've come across <laughs> nothing. I'm, call, I'm shining the light on the problem. I'm yeah, not <laughs> like, like, I'm, I'm going to call bullshit on this one. Like, I've been an organization with <laughs> my team that I've had to like take through a whole security no. tool. It's like, it's, it's, you know, just it's because you can build a piece of software, just because you build. can, I'm sorry. Security is, you know, still a complex field. I think people who write the piece of software, they were not even aware of the infrastructure who's going to support it. It's recently DevOps have started creating it. They were not aware of the infrastructure implication of the piece of software they used to write. Yeah, I mean, you are right. So it's like just assuming this. That's a very. It's a, I, I'd hate for anybody to come and be like, "Oh, you write software, you know about security." It's like, no, frankly, I think most people who write software are the biggest. Um, uh, no, the they don't know about it. No, they don't know about it. Just say that, right? Exactly. They don't know about it. <laughs> you, you help bring that in, but yeah. 
But so wait, uh, but there's there's another there's an aspect to this, right? Which is, um, you know, maybe you know you need to be able to articulate the use cases where it makes no sense to fold them into a common process, because recognizing that there are multiple use cases for something, uh, and, you know, all all we're really talking we're not talking about like control. You can't do your Excel macro because I control the IT budget. This is about enabling that business unit to do what they need to do in a easier way and telling the story of why it's easier if you do it our way versus doing your own thing, because it, that's what it comes down to. And if it comes down to the, the like, we don't have a better way, then they use their way. I mean, that's right. really what it is. So, so I think we are getting into the area where we say, how do we solve this problem? Well, a right. couple, well, is it a problem? We started with yeah. that. And then I think there are, so how do we solve this? And there's a bunch of ways. I mean, again, there's the vector of you coming in and becoming the problem. You came in as shadow IT. That's part of an issue. It might be that you came in as the mainline IT and discovered shadow IT. Um, what are you going to do about it? So let me answer that. First off, is it a problem? Like, it's the context of centralized versus decentralized. Is it a problem? I think 15 years ago it was a problem. Today, it can't be seen as a problem. If it's still perceived as a problem, that company is going to cede to some um, disruptive competitor in the near or far future. Who knows? I, and I, I, I think that that's the absolute case, and there's a bunch of history to show that. Um, now, the question is you guys are getting down to is, like, how do you bring them to the fold in? It's an experiment. I love, like, so as an organization, as a director of architecture, and I encourage shadow IT, I put a software site, I put a SharePoint out there, and I had people building access databases, piping their stuff in through mac macros to the SharePoint, because you know what that did for me? First off, it allowed me to see what technical talent there is around the organization, so now I could build alliances, and I knew the network nodes that I could educate. So some of them are using financial data. So when I saw financial security issues, I could go talk to them and say, hey, guys, here's what it means to be financially secure. John Shook change model. Don't tell about the change. Show them the change. But then also, yeah, I, I saw a return of the use case. Wait, hold, hold on. Wait, stop right there for one second. Like, I get it that that works in that scenario. But it, let's say you were replacing an ERP system, hypothetically. Uh -huh. Bill, right? Um, you know, <laughs> right? it seems like something that you would not want to encourage, sort of, uh, you know, experimentation, right? In that, oh, in that no. if somebody's building, if Shadow IT is building plugins to a core system of record, I have a broader concern because of that. But if I can't replace my ERP system because I don't know their use cases, but their use cases are codified in Shadow IT software, well, I should probably understand what they're doing there so I can understand their use cases. I mean, to me, the number one failure of any ERP is the inability of the business to understand, understand the use cases and or um, express them in a way that you can build software for them. Mm. So, that, so, sounds, that sounds familiar. Huh? Yeah. So the shadow IT is never going to touch the problem of, so I'll, I'll go back to your pace layer model and I, I personally like it too. Um, you know, for the system of record, um, you know, it, it absolutely, you know, shadow IT is not going to touch any of your system of record. What they are going to do is system of record may not solve a specific problem or a calculation they may have. So they may go back and build some software around that and an Excel to do some additional calculation after sucking in data from your system of record. So that is as far as they would go. System of differentiation, still, I think it should largely be, uh, you know, led by your central IT organization in close collaboration with business. But system of innovation, uh, business should have complete autonomy of prototyping any piece of you know business software they want to write which can add value to their operational efficiencies or the customer products and then 
it's IT's job to figure out how to scale it and make it more enterprise IT class and embrace it as part of their shared IT organization. So that's how they should be doing it. I agree. And I want to extend yours a bit. Um, so site reliability engineering, and I'm going, to be, I'm going to tie back into exactly what you're talking about, this extension. So Google's come up with this idea about site reliability engineering. They've published three or four different books on how you do SRE. SRE is an implementation of DevOps. Fundamentally, SRE is what happens in a technology company that doesn't do DevOps. And DevOps has been more of a cultural movement from people who've been stuck in traditional IT organizations that are just pissed off of the way the organization works. Whereas you see things like SRE coming out of Google, where it's true technologists building you know, valuable um, products. And so what they've done was an interesting thing in their organizational behavior, just like you've talked about. So you're like, your core system's a record. They push them off to some basic core teams. Your systems of differentiation, everything in there starts at an innovation, but it can become a system of differentiation once it gets to a point of mass of usership, but also to cross that threshold from innovation to differentiation, there is a set of standards that the team who built it to hand it off has to be able to meet. So language on uh, not just languages, but also coding standards, security standards. Um, but the diff they, say, they say the team that runs the differentiated products, they can also hand it back in the future if it ever becomes a thing to maintain for the innovators to then um, modify. And so if you look at how sort of Google's done that model, they've allowed shadow IT to be the main way they do business. And they have some pretty stringent um, security standards too. I mean, there's a lot of data in there. And so anybody saying that HIPAA is more stringent like in the government way, yeah. But, you know, look at, I would argue, and maybe this is more of a, maybe it's rhetorical at this point in time because I can't provide data. HIPAA and all the other financial ones, Google is just as secure as those folks. Um, and I'm using that to be rhetorical right now. And so look at their human processes that help them leverage shadow IT, i.e. IT business alignments to create extra value for, um, for their customers. And, and actually, for, for people that are watching and listening, encourage them to go back to episode 10, where we talked uh, all about DevOps, right? So um, that was... That was callback. That was, <clears throat> was a callback, yeah. Um, and that was the one with uh, Pete Hurd uh, from the UK. Anyway, um, business IT alignment. And where I'm, where I'm going with this is that, you know, that, that wall between traditional IT and business is collapsing, has been collapsing, maybe in part because of shadow IT, maybe shadow IT is uh, a symptom or a cause, I don't know, whatever it is, but they're, 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 that wall is collapsing. And so to me, it's like, it's really not shadow IT anymore. It's just IT and there's different IT actors, right? There's different technology actors at play here that need to be accounted for. Uh, maybe not necessarily solved for, but like aware of Right. And so whoever that that decision maker is, Bill, that you were talking about earlier, if it's the CEO, right, seems kind of high to have to go to get to that level. But I mean, there should be clear direction around like this. This is a strategic imperative for us. And therefore, um, we need to solve for it. This don't really care if the data's crap. Uh, so everyone just do whatever you, you want to do, uh, because otherwise, I mean, you can't solve for every every problem. Right. So wouldn't you say that you know, the fact that, you know, shadow IT, we, you spoke about the wall between business and IT collapsing, isn't what you're saying is uh, IT is everybody's business. It's no longer yeah. just IT's business. IT is everybody's business. Yeah. And the, and the other way is true, too. You, you know, the days of just being, uh, you know, a developer standing at your uh, stand up desk all day coding and not understanding what you're coding for or the business process that sits behind it at least at some level like those days are, are going away too 
you have to be able to understand the why of what you're doing because otherwise you miss you miss important um, factors that that would go into developing that piece of code. Well, you know, one of the things that I think and I can't remember now whether it was you, Chris, or Bill hit upon is that you know it's you could someone shadow IT could jump in and build the thing, but they may probably are not prepared to maintain it over time, right? And that just that reminds me, I remember hearing Alan Kay, the early computer park guy, uh, talk about computer science. And he said, you can build a doghouse out of anything. Um, the trick was, if you're going to build something that lasts, now, how am I going to build it? What are the standards? What am I going to do? And I think that's part of the issue, right? It's super easy. I mean, and if I, if you know, if you pointed a finger at each one of us, and we had to tell a horror story of a, a shadow IT system built that way out last, you know, it was still in use years after it was the right ideal tool for the job, just because it was good enough. Uh, and the maintenance one, it was a nightmare. Um, there's, they're everyone. Everyone's got one of those stories. And I think that's one of the things, you, you know, can I get to that ahead of time and say, look, this good enough thing is going to be a problem later. How can I solve that problem now with good architecture, with good design standards by having it part of the portfolio? So, so if you're in leadership then, right, I mean, it, it then becomes the responsibility to sort of understand what that technical debt looks like, right? And and think it through how you want to retire that by priority. And then I also understand that there are some areas, you know, no code applications and all these other things where I'm not going to solve for that ever because right. the value that I could deliver by centralizing it, controlling it, owning the GL for that particular budget item, right? The value that's delivered from that, it, it's, it's not there. It doesn't make sense for me to do that, right? It's like pick your battles kind of kind of thing. Yeah. It, it strikes me, though, if I was the developer on that stuff, I mean, you know, as someone who writes code, who is involved in these systems, right, I got to where I am because I like for things to be right, you know, I mean, the details matter, right, architecture matters, and I think that where this gets out of it is, then I see these other things where someone solved a problem, and it's no longer to my standard, and I immediately, that repulses me, right, I got the hackles raised up on the back of my neck, I, I mean, I'm, I am crazed because this is wrong, but the fact is, it might have been good enough at the time, and it's going to be retired, as you point out, in its due course, and I, I need to figure out where I'm going to fight, you know, not every hill is a hill to die on. It's the market that's driving this. Look at the most successful companies today. They're IT business aligned. They're coming out. They're greenfield companies that are IT business aligned by nature. So I'm going to go and piss a bunch of people off who are probably listening to us and say, hey, you're, in a, you're a director of manager and you are the problem in this organization because the way you're incentivized and the way that you're continuing to manage your team is not a way to manage a software technology company. And um, I think that that's really why you see a lot of people, and that's why shadow IT, the negative aspects of shadow IT, will continue to persist until there's a level of management that realizes, hey, I'm not managing a healthcare company anymore, or I'm not managing a finance company anymore, or I'm not managing a moving and storage company. I'm managing a technology company that does finance healthcare. And what that means is, frankly, there's a lot of people who've probably been in their jobs for 30, 40, 15 years. Some of them are, can do this, and some of them are probably doing it right now. There's probably a whole population of others that aren't self-aware that they're the problem and they can't push this forward. So either management's got to go, they need to change management, or they're going to get disrupted by a competitor. Is there a good example, Bill, that you can think of, of a successful company today 
that is not a software technology company? I'd have to go back because there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, I think it's a loaded statement. There's a lot of successful companies that aren't, but how are, well are they competing? So let's look at something like Best Buy, and I'd have to go back and look at your Best Buys and your WalMarts and do a case study on them against somebody like Amazon, who's a digital native. Well, I mean, look, I mean, Walmart, logistics. I mean, the logistics, the supply chain, the technology behind that, and the optimization of, of all, I mean, that's Walmart's claim to fame, right? Yeah, but they were a technology company that just did logistics better than everybody else. Because if you go look at their integrated PO system, all the way, systems all the way down to their vertical supply chains, like that's why Walmart kicks ass is because they got their supplier who's three levels down and their sub suppliers connected into their supply. So when you go, go click, juk, juk, I just got my whatever from Walmart, that uh, triggers a demand signal if necessary to start driving products. So are they not a, are they not a software technology company? I think they're one of the oldest software technology companies in logistics. People just didn't realize it. I know. I, I think it's it's not not necessarily just a software technology company, but they are. I would call them as a business process oriented company, which is powered heavily by technology. Because there's a whole negotiation around that. So you have the core supply chain technology stack, which needs to be robust. But at the same time, complementing that is your process around that, which includes your negotiation process with your supplier as well. That makes them more successful. It's just not just only the technology piece, like you know any other software vendors. Well, like, well, they don't give like, the process. Sorry. No, no. I, I'm just I'm wondering like to what degree that shadow IT, that innovation incubator type capability that shadow IT can provide, what role that played in in Walmart. Right in them yeah. figuring out how to um, do it better than uh, than their competitors. I, I don't so know. The, no, so the, so the question, what you are saying is, um, how did they drive their innovation? And what Bill is mentioning is, shadow IT could be an accelerator to drive that innovation, but there could be other models to drive that innovation as well. For example, you know, even the central IT organization can provide a centralized environment for you know, business uh, line leaders to go and play around and build their softwares on and then give them standard process and procedures which are apt to their environment rather than policing and auditing and slowing them down. So I think the solution to this problem in my mind would be embrace shadow IT, central IT organization, IT operating model needs to provide that platform policies and the capabilities to nurture shadow IT and build a clear path to take any software application or concept be building a shadow IT and scale it and embrace it part of the larger organization. That should happen. That will drive innovation. That sounds like a final thought. Uh, Bill Bensing, you have a final thought on this? Shashi, I'm almost going to steal you. I'm going to say, I, I guess I'll go with, um, if you have a shadow IT problem, you have a business market problem where you're not having product market fit. Um, yes. So to resolve that, Chad, I want to jump off what you said. You know, the more formal terms, the more terms being used today is Kata and Dojo. Dojo is a place where you go practice and Kata is like getting up and actually doing very specific practice. So decentralize your IT organization organiza um, from a behavior perspective. Like there's still going to be some central control over certain technologies, but decentralize the capability to achieve technology outcomes by providing um, these transformative type behaviors. So your marketing department now becomes a technology company that just happens to do marketing, your logistics, X, Y, Z. That's my final thought on shadow IT. It's not a problem. It's your missing business opportunity. Um, and fighting shadow IT is fighting future top line revenue. 
Well, I think the, the word itself is freighted and it shows a bias, right? It says that I am the real IT and you are not the real IT, right? You are shadow IT. And I think that's just a bad place for you to be as a consultant. If someone's off and they've solved a problem, see how you can bring that back in. I mean, there you have to solve the problem and your job is to be a problem solver, not to look at some guy and say he's not as good as you as, at his job. Yeah. No, I think that's a that's a really good point. And I mean, when when I look at it, I, I mean, do I see it as a problem? I see I see problems that can result from it, right? And and I see that primarily around data. Um, I think if again back to the consultant and and the practitioner, if you're going in somewhere saying, you know, uh, the way you've been doing it is wrong, you have to do it this way, I, I think you're missing the boat, right? I think it's you know, what problem were you solving, and did this did this person solve it in a way? That maybe you can learn something from and 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 if not right are you able to deliver more value to the person that's using this process uh in some other way that maybe is compliant with sarbanes-oxley or whatever the case may be right so right. i think i think it almost becomes like a fit for purpose kind of uh thing where you really need to understand the context the why and the what business problem is being solved right in in the different ways so well, that would be my final take. So, uh, guys, uh, listen, I appreciate it. Um, thanks for the time. Good conversation. I'm, you know, I, I like these things where we don't necessarily agree. So that th those are those are good conversations. Um, anyway, I appreciate it, and uh, thank you everyone for watching. So, uh, Bill Bensing, Phil Yanoff, Shashi Shramali. I'm Chris Lockhart. Thank you. We'll uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you.